Greetings, members and friends of the Chinese Language Division of the American Translators Association. It has been a while, and I have missed you all. I know I have kept you waiting. In order to make it up, I have a fantastic episode in store for you today, because we're going back to the basics. Whether you are a seasoned linguist or a novice who's about to enter the amazing world of translation and interpreting, chances are you have and will ask these questions over and over again at different stages of your career path. Well, it is true that our episode today isn't going to give you the answers that'll turn you into the most popular, the most in-demand language professional overnight. I hope through the sharing of our colleagues' journey, you will find the strength and a renewed faith to keep pressing on, especially at times when hope seems frail, knowing that we've got each other's back. With that, let's put our hands together for our guest of honor, our longtime ATA CLD member Cao Xiaochuan. Xiaochuan is a graduate of the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey and an ATA certified translator. Before returning to China to work as the in-house linguist at several large companies, he was actively serving the language interpretation needs at the local courts as a court-certified interpreter in the state of Delaware. Xiao Chuan's career journey has been anything but typical. It is full of ups and downs, but it is how he persevered and pressed on that made things change course for him and made him the successful translator and interpreter he is today. Let's go say hello to him. Hello, Xiaochuan. Welcome. Thank you so much, Jesse, for this kind invitation. And I'm very much looking forward to having a relaxed and hopefully valuable chat with you. Fantastic. Let's dive right in. So my first question is, Xiaochuan, I understand that after you graduated from Middlebury in Monterey, you went through some turbulent moments in terms of securing a career as an in-house translator. Do you mind sharing with us what that journey was like for you? Yeah, indeed. I graduated from the Middlebury Institute back in 2012. So that was more than 10 years ago. When I was graduating, I already had an offer to a full-time in-house position in Wilmington, Delaware as a technical translator. I got the job because the previous summer break, I got an opportunity to do an internship with the same company. It's mm -hmm. a very small consultancy that's focused on industry information from China. Mm -hmm. So they produced a lot of industry reports in English, and they needed translators to help them translate raw data and information from Chinese into English. Right. So back then, upon graduation, I imagined that I would spend a period of time working with this company and here in the U.S. So mm -hmm. I packed up, I moved cross-country to Wilmington, Delaware. But unfortunately, after just six months since I started working with them, the company closed. 
So I had a year of OPT as a Chinese national studying in the U.S. after、mm-hmm. my master's degree, and so that's a twelve-month period that's、mm-hmm. attached to my student visa. In order to work longer in the U.S., I needed another employer to sponsor an H-1B visa for me,、mm-hmm. and it wasn't very easy. To find such an employer,、mm-hmm. uh, and I realized that very likely that、mm-hmm. I will need to go back to China, but I still had six months on my visa, so、mm-hmm. I decided to start freelancing while I, I wait to get back to China, and that's what I did. I started working with the local court in Wilmington as well as in other parts of the Newcastle County. Mm-hmm. And I also took the opportunity to pass the court interpreter exam in the state of Delaware, and I started to work with a number of different translation agencies.、Mm-hmm. And it was also then that I actually joined ATA, and I passed the ATA certification exam for English into Chinese as a combination back then. So even As you said, there were some turbulence. There were some unexpected event, ups and downs. I felt that I I was able to not be discouraged and really be very open to all kinds of opportunities. Also, it was during that time that I got to know one of the, the most important mentors I had when I started my journey,、um, mm-hmm. Evelyn Young. She was very very kind. She offered me many job opportunities. I got to work with her as an interpreter on、mm-hmm. projects as well, and on many many translation projects.、Mm-hmm. I'm forever grateful for her kind help. That was the one year that I spent since graduation in the U.S. before returning to China to Shanghai, my hometown. I see that in that short one year period of time, you. Had actually experienced working as an in-house employee as well as a freelance linguist. Did you develop a preference then for what you were looking to do in China? Were you going to do an in-house staff position job again, or were you more looking to become a freelance translator and interpreter? I was really open to anything. I had never had a job in China. I didn't have any experience working as a freelancer in China either.、Mm. So I was just really, you know, really open to anything. Once I went back to China, I still continued to work remotely for some of the translation agencies that I started working with in the U.S.、Mm-hmm. So I was still doing. Jobs for them that still kept me quite busy, actually,、mm. and at the same time, I started to work with local opportunities.、Mm. I let people know that I'm back in China,、mm. and then I'm open to opportunities.、Mm-hmm. It was it was actually through a translation agency that、mm. I got this in-house opportunity to work in Qingdao.、Mm. So it's just interesting, you know. I was starting. Working on translation, written translation assignments for this company, and they sort of reached out to me to say, "Are you interested in this in-house opportunity? That's a a ten-month contract.、Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, I'm I'd be representing that company、mm. on site at the client site to provide 
interpretation as well as translation. And mm. I thought, why not? I've never really lived in in another Chinese city than、mm-hmm. Shanghai, and it's it's a huge company that I I'm, I was hoping to learn a lot from by working there. So I moved to Qingdao at the end of 2013, and indeed, I I learned. A great deal by working with colleagues there, by working in that specific industry, and really getting a taste of a very different kind of workplace environment than the one、mm-hmm. I had working in Wilmington, Delaware. So at this point, in addition to your U.S. experience, you also had a taste of what it was like working in China, both in-house position and freelance jobs. What do you say? Are the major differences between the TNI market in the U.S. and that in China? You know, just to begin with the basics, I think there are a lot more in-house opportunities for pure, I would call pure TNI type of jobs in China than、mm-hmm. in the U.S. I considered myself very lucky when I got that offer in、mm-hmm. in Wilmington, Delaware, as an in-house translator, but because that was a rare find that was、mm-hmm. very hard to come by. Most of my classmates who got a job in the U.S. worked in translation agencies as project managers,、mm-hmm. not really in a linguist type of job. But in China, there are. I would say many more such opportunities.、Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know, there are still many such opportunities today, with major tech companies like Tencent, ByteDance,、mm-hmm. as well as in insurance company like Pingan, and in consulting companies like Boston Consulting Group、mm-hmm. and McKinsey. Actually,、mm-hmm. I myself, actually, my second in-house job. In China, after、mm-hmm. the Qingdao job, was at BCG, the Boston Consulting Group. So I would say there are a lot of opportunities to work as an in-house linguist in、mm. in China. And before the freelance market,、mm. I think there is also a difference in the U.S. I see many more opportunities in the courthouses and in hospitals,、mm-hmm. but also business type of events and conference opportunities in China. There are a lot more business and also、right. government type of work. Right.、Uh, I would say mostly business and and conference as well as exhibitions and trade shows type of work in in the freelance market as in for interpreters. Right. Right. For translators, I would say that the difference is kind of less significant because I still now work for. American companies remotely as a freelance translator. I still work with agencies that are based in the U.S. and even other in other countries because it's easy to work on translation, you know, remotely. Since the pandemic, things have changed again, yet again, for interpreting. Now that we are doing a lot more remote interpreting, I actually got. Opportunities to work with colleagues who are based in the U.S., who are based in the U.K. in the same assignment, which was totally unimaginable. So I, I'm seeing this idea of globalization, even though there is a, still a difference regionally and market-specific difference. For、mm-hmm. freelancers, I would say the difference is less significant or are becoming less significant.、Hmm. What about now? What 
is your mix now between in-house and freelance work? I'm 100% freelance now. I have been so since 2017 when I left my job at BCG. Uh-huh. I spent about one and a half years at BCG and I, I decided it's time for me to go solo and mm-hmm. start working again as a freelancer 100%. This time, I would say in a more determined way. I would say that my previous freelance experience, you know, prior to my current one was more yes. of an experimental or sort of a gap time when I'm looking for maybe a more stable in-house position. But right. now my freelancing is something that I consider more long-term and mm-hmm. more kind of settled work style. That's great to hear. It makes perfect sense to make the transition when you feel the time is right, as in that you work more and accumulate more experience, grow your network more, you naturally would have more clients and more businesses that can support this work style, which is very flexible. And that is also why being a freelancer is so attractive, right? That flexibility. But just like anything in life, greater returns uh, are usually associated with greater risks. And in this scenario, the risk is where and how do freelancers build and keep their client base, and especially in the beginning. Do you have any insight or can you shed some light on that from your own experience? This is always the number one question. How am I going to get enough business to really support my freelancing works or lifestyle. For me, I would say that number one, I turned my previous employers into my clients. Mm. I'm still working with the Qingdao company today. And, And also with BCG, one or two years after I stopped being an employee, I still worked with them as a freelancer before they recruited more in-house linguists. I was working, I was traveling with their partners to various cities on assignments. Mm -hmm. So very luckily, I was able to turn my former employers into current clients. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that if you are in an in-house job, and even if you are thinking about a change, maintain that relationship, right? There is an opportunity that your former employer can come to you even you are no longer working in-house later mm. on when they have a need and when they know you, when they trust you, right? Mm. And it's just a different arrangement, but they're getting the same services and they know you. I would say it's much easier conversion than, mm-hmm. you know, really just going out to, to the market and mm. making cold calls or working with people that you've never worked before. Mm-hmm. Another way to get new business is to really leverage your connections, your network, right? The people that you've worked with in school, professors, teachers that you've worked with, as well as the ATA, right? The people Mm -hmm. that you got to know, the colleagues that are doing the same type of work. They are all sources of of jobs. Mm -hmm. I would say these sources are much more important to me than those ads that you see on the internet that you don't really have any common connections with because they know you and you know them 
I would say trust is very important in in freelance work, right? Mm -hmm. You want to work with people that you can trust. Mm -hmm. And also your client want to work with someone that they can trust. So this kind of common connection and network is what builds that trust in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then when you are working, actually, as an interpreter or as a translator, through the quality of work that you deliver, you make your clients very happy and they will refer you to other people, other organizations that would also need your service. Right. So I think that would be yet another source of potential work that can really be very useful. And I would say those are the three major sources of work that I've relied on over Mm -hmm. the years, even though I'm not really very actively marketing myself. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Now, Xiaochun, you mentioned that the network is one of your major sources of work, and your network consists of teachers, classmates, former employers, colleagues, and the ATA. I am pleasantly surprised by that because it's been, what, 10 years since you returned to China? Is being an ATA member still benefiting you? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has been benefiting me starting from day one. And all across my journey, I would say it's the most valuable industry association that I've ever joined. I joined ATA in the U.S. right before I, or after I ended my first job, in-house job. So it really came in handy as sort of introducing me to people, you know, having the same profession, people who have more experience than I did. So I, I got to get to know them. And I also got a lot of jobs through ATA, which yes. is yet another source that I forgot to mention just now, which is a very important source of work through ATA's directory, which mm-hmm. people would go to to find a linguist. Now, the question is, did you meet Evelyn through the ATA? Oh, yeah. That's great. It's really awesome that you were able to connect with Evelyn at the time when you needed that peer support. And definitely a shout out to Evelyn, Evelyn Young, for being such a supportive and helpful colleague slash mentor. I don't know the circumstances under which you and Evelyn met, although I'm very certain that it was nothing short of being open, welcoming, and inclusive. Because that's how I felt when I first became a part of this wonderful translator and interpreter community. There is no denying that the ATA directory is a valuable source of work. But also, you know, they're just our own people. The work we do is highly cognitively demanding and challenging and um, yet not widely recognized or not even valued properly. So it takes our own people coming together to understand each other's struggles, to be at each other's corner, you know, that sense of togetherness, that sense of solidarity, uh, the sense of community, to me is priceless. Exactly. So yeah, if I may add, I would say that the pandemic at the very beginning, I would say everybody was sort of you know, in panic mode or didn't know what to do. I remember in early 2020, when the pandemic first hit China, 
And I had about a month of time, a month, maybe January, which was, you know, January, Chinese New Year time. It was traditionally very slow time, but I didn't really get much work for the、mm-hmm. entire month. And I was getting a little concerned. And so there was that period that, that I felt concerned because I know that, you know, everybody is probably experiencing the same, same thing. And then again, we have this community that we can reach out to and really talk to, you know, what we are doing, how we are doing to cope with this. Amen to that. Well, Xiaochuan, I could talk with you on and on about your inspiring and courageous journey, but I'm not going to be selfish and hog your entire Sunday morning. So I'm just going to end this with one last question Will you be at this year's ATA annual conference in Miami, Florida in October?、Um, I would really, really like to go. You know, I'm, I'm seriously considering it. It's just that I have lost my old passport with my 10 year US visa on it. So I might not be able to make it. Oh, no, that's unfortunate. It would have been so nice to see you in person and for all of our listeners to put the wonderful stories you shared with us to a face. It's on my wish list, and I hope、yeah. that it will happen. It will materialize one day. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. Well, Xiaochuan, we say goodbye today just so we can say hello tomorrow. You take care and be well. Thank you once again for being here with us and for all the wonderful stories you have shared with us. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Yes, yes, you noticed it. I've gone fancy with the podcast and I added background music. Okay, so that was fun chatting with Xiao Chuan, and I hope you're all inspired by his journey one way or the other. It's too bad that he isn't able to join us at this year's ATA's annual conference in Miami, Florida. But all of you, my friends who are listening now, will you please come and join me? There are fantastic training sessions and talks waiting for you to attend, wonderful colleagues and peers for you to meet, and gazillion dollars for you to make. Or maybe a little less than a gazillion? Well, anyways, you get the point. And do I really have to paint a mental picture for you in which you sipping a pineapple full of pina colada, overlooking the crystal clear turquoise waters on the white sandy beach? The early conference registration ends on September the 16th. Make sure you take advantage of that saving and don't let it get away from you. I can sit here and talk to you about how wonderful the conference experience is all day long, but until you set foot in it to truly experience the warm welcome and inclusiveness of this professional community, nothing I say will do it any justice. Just come and see for yourself. My friends, I hope to see you there in Miami this year from the 25th to the 28th of October. Take care until next time.